Well, hello and good morning. Welcome to the Monday Main Point. It is Monday, October 25th, 2021, and we are here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church. I am the associate pastor here, Jonathan Hendrickson. Join with the rest of the pastoral staff. I've got our senior pastor, Jeff McCarthy. Ha ha, I went around the other way, guys. Uh, I've got the senior <laughs> pastor, Jeff McCarthy, here with me. i got Blake Blencham, our children's pastor, and I have Jeremiah Custer, our youth pastor, with me. Uh, fellas, it's uh, uh, it's a finally starting to feel like fall out there, and it mm-hmm. feels good, finally. Absolutely. And uh, it's, it's good to be here, uh, joined together around the table to talk about Sunday Sermon. Um, this is what we do on Monday Main Point what we would be doing even if we weren't pressing record on this podcast. And uh, in fact, we were just doing this just before we got on. <laughs> just before we press record, we were involved in a pretty cool discussion. And uh, we want to invite you into the room to just to, uh, to hear our discussion, to hear our conversation back and forth with one another. And uh, uh, just as we look into digging a little bit deeper into the message that we heard yesterday, uh, just to recap what we heard yesterday, the message, uh, uh, brought to us by our senior pastor, Jeff. Uh, it was uh, entitled Repair and Restore. Uh, central text was Isaiah 58, 12, um, which in the NKJV reads like this. It says, those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you should be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. And um, we were just having a discussion about the context of this and all. And we, we, we all sort of uh, are at least in agreement that, that Isaiah Isaiah's writing this before Jerusalem falls. So um, he see, he's seen Israel fall to the Assyrians um, and he's seen what came about as a result of that. And now he's predicting that uh, if Jerusalem doesn't change her ways, the same thing is going to happen to her. And in fact, he believes it will happen. He's prophesying, right? So he knows it's going to happen. God's judgment's coming. And then he's looking ahead, though, at this point. This is the latter part of Isaiah. And as Jeff pointed out to us just a few moments ago, uh, reminded reminded me, um, this part of Isaiah is all about restoration, right? It's all about salvation, coming salvation and such. And so... Isaiah is saying, even if you fall, um, God is going to, if you will repent, if you will turn towards him, he will restore you. He will give you opportunity to restore. This will actually end up being very predictive, as Jeff kind of pointed out in his, in his, uh, in his sermon. Um, what Isaiah is saying here actually comes to fruition in some ways. Jerusalem does fall. They fall to the Babylonians. When they fall, though, they're in exile for how many years, guys? 70. 70? 70 years. Um, so they're in exile for 70 years, and eventually uh, Nehemiah and Ezra uh, go back into Jerusalem, and they do indeed go to—they're they're, they're, they're instructed by the, by the uh, Persian king, I believe it is. When Persia takes over Babylon, the Persian king actually tells them to go back. They're a little more uh, welcoming to, to their—, to their to these foreigners and he tells them to go back and to rebuild rebuild their cities and stuff and so they go back to rebuild they do the very thing that isaiah said would happen so um so but not everybody goes and i think um that's part of your i think it was part of your point because i think the 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 sort of the conclusion of the message is we have opportunity to follow to follow this pattern, to go and be repairers and restorers. We know that not everybody is going to do that. 
which, you know, are you going to be one of those who will do that? That and it sort of sums up the message as a whole. But let's talk a little bit in detail here about some of the things that you brought up, Jeff, in the message yesterday. And um, one of the things you, you brought up is when we talk about breaches, um, we're not talking about Blake, what we put on. I, I can't, you said breaches, and I was like, Blake's going to think you're talking about pants, Jeff. Stop. Uh, <laughs> you got to pull up your breeches. Um, yeah, me and them breeches because they got holes in them. So, <laughs> glad, so glad you clarified. <laughs> uh, well, look, I, I can say that because I'm from Kentucky. We yeah, call them breeches, we, too. Yeah, we relate. We well, actually, actually, I think I, we call them breeches. <laughs> Sometimes. You got your breeches on? Uh, so, um, uh, I say we. I don't, I don't call them breaches. Um, uh, anyway, but breach. When we talk about a breach, we're talking about a gap, right? A hole. If if a if a if a um, uh, you know if if uh, a security wall has been breached, um, then that means that it's been broken through. Yeah. So now now it's no longer secure. It's no longer uh, fulfilling its purpose. If you. You know, we hear all the time on cybersecurity, those firewalls get breached mm-hmm. and, and people's credit stuff, their, their, their credit information, their, their personal identity stuff gets stolen because now suddenly there's a massive gap where there shouldn't have been a gap. And so one of the, your point, your first point that you brought up is that we need to be a repairer of the breach that we see between generations. Um, I do think that in the church, and, I, and, I, and I'm using this broadly, I do think in the church we often see a breach of generations. Thing is, is though, I don't think that this is something that's new. You know, Jeremiah, I don't, I don't think that this is something that we're, oh, it's, it's just what we're experiencing in the 20, you know 2020 or whatever. I mean, as long as I've been in ministry, this seems to be an issue. And I think it was an issue long before I was ever in ministry. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? What do you think it is? What, what is it that causes... When we as, a, we as a church, as God's people, right, uh, we're, we're supposed to be... I mean, the Bible talks so much about unity and, and being united. And yet we do see divisions like this. Why do you think that happens? I mean, I've only lived for like two generations, so I can't speak. That's fair. That's probably not the best one to speak on this, but I think... Well, you study church history. Yeah, I think the problem happens from from me, from my perspective, Mm -hmm. when people start taking things that aren't the priority and making them the priority. Mm -hmm. And then they fight over these things that... They see as essential, which mm-hmm. basically are just preferences. Mm-hmm. I prefer this. I prefer the, the other generations prefer this. Sure. We fight over those, and then we don't really care about the essentials. So, so when we have these generation breaches, you don't think they're largely over theological differences or um, differences in, in opinion of, as far as doctrines and such? No, I do see like a swing with things that aren't... Um, set in stone so like uh calvinism if anyone knows what calvinism is there seems to be a swing one way and then the next generation will swing the next way yeah there's definitely a pendulum but those are those are not essentials too Mm -hmm. and 
and they're not really set in stone. There's not really a, a good answer for, for which one is correct on, on those particular things. Right. But I think for the essentials, they, they're, they're, I mean, like the gospel and Jesus and, yeah. and Jesus being God, right? Those things have been set in stone since the New Testament. So not not to skip you, I'm, I'm going to skip over you, Blake, for just a second. One, because you've lived even less than Je- even less decades than Jeremiah. It's because I say French is wrong. Ain't no, 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 it's not. It's not. It has nothing to do with that. Uh, but I, I, I want to go to Jeff because, Jeff, I think that this uh, idea of divisions and generations is not limited to just church life. I think I think we see it. Um, I mean, if it was just limited to church life, then we'd be like, okay, well, there's a problem there. But I think there's a I think there's generation gap, generation breach, and and politics, and economics, and you know, and just in culture in general. And so it's it's unfortunate that that leaks. I think it's unfortunate that it leaks into the church. But do, do you agree? I mean, do you see do you see that same sort of thing that like. It's not just necessarily something that's limited just the church. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, when you think about it, it's, it's cult- culture. It's everything. I mean, there's stuff on TV now that, you know, two or three generations ago would never, ever, ever even be thought about being put on TV. And that's just, you know, a, a cultural thing. Right. Like, men, but, like, like there was a time yeah. where men and women didn't share a bed. Yeah. yeah I mean, like married, married couples yeah, were allowed to share a bed. Show, right. You know, he and his wife had, <laughs> had separate beds. Like a motel room. Right. Bedroom, you know. <laughs> that's the way their bedroom looked. But, um, <clears throat> but, but, but in, when I was thinking about this, I, I could I, I just had too much information. And uh, so you have to call away everything. Sure. But um, I thought about how, like, in Israel's case, the people of God's case, if you want to use that word, I, I used that word a couple times yesterday. It, it, it's always, I mean, you're always going to have to restore and repair because if you look at the whole generational thing, like when Joseph, it was a few generations later, it's like they didn't know who Joseph was. The mm-hmm. pharaohs didn't know him, and then they started persecuting the people. Uh, and then during the judges' uh, time, there was all these cycles, you know. Right. They had a good judge. Everything got good. And then two or three generations passed and they're back into it again. Even right. in the Exodus, you know, the people voted, we don't want to go. And like, okay, all you old people that voted are, at that time, they were not old. They were probably 20 years old or 40 or whatever old they were. Mm-hmm. They made the vote and then had to wander for 40 years till all the people die off. And then this new generation comes in. So... So the same thing here, if they're going to go into captivity and they're going to come back, um, the old generation that had the ruins, this new generation has got to come in and build on what was there. Right. And so it's always, I mean, we're always, <clears throat> always as, as a church, always even as a people and as a nation and all that, we're always having to re- repair, restore the stuff that's good, that you're able to build on, build on it, the other stuff, you know. You, if you can't build on it, then don't worry about it. Sure, so, sure. So that's kind of my, what my whole thinking was on this uh, <clears> passage because it kept <throat> saying over and over, you're going to rebuild these generations, the generations that were founded. Mm-hmm. You're going to re... You, know, <clears throat> you should raise them. It yeah, you should raise all that. So that's why I said it was like a generation gap. And mm-hmm. then when I brought in the whole aspect of they started building the wall and they had opposition from within and then from without. And then that, when they laid the foundation of the temple... It was the generations that one was weeping and one was crying out right. with joy. Mm-hmm. And it said, you know, these people saw the first temple right. and they wept. Mm-hmm. 
And so you know, if you do the math, they had to be at least 82 years old for that to happen. Yeah, that time. right, right. And so, and they know what they're building right now is not really for them, it's for this future generation. And so I think that's where we build, we bridge the, the, the gap or we build in the breaches when we try to get us all to work together to a common purpose and a goal. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I mean, Pat, I, we're talking to Israel here and, and obviously their, their unification is around uh, the temple and around their worship of God and, and just being God's people. One would think like the, the people of the church of today, right? The people who are who represent the church post resurrection. And I'm talking about the church post resurrection, yeah. God's people post resurrection. Right. Because of the bond of the Holy Spirit, you would think that our unification would be even better, even stronger than that which we see in the Old Testament here. And yet we we still have these same kind of things. What's the danger um, in in leaving these gaps un, unrepaired? I mean, you know, okay, so what if 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 these people don't like this or this or this group of people um, maybe isn't happy with what this group of people is doing? Or and it doesn't have to be a, a generational thing. Sometimes there's 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 a racial gap. There's there's racial breaches. There's there's um, you know like Jeremiah said. There's preferential breaches, and those 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 can sometimes be. Even over gener- even even uh, spread over generations, just because you know people from all generations might prefer we meet outside, and people from all generations go, no, it's better if we meet inside. You know, the, and then there's this big division, or one one group of people says the carpet should be red, and no, the other group of people says no, the carpet should be blue, right? And and so, um, you know, what's the danger in 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 just saying, well, that's just the way life's gonna be. We just gonna we just it's oh. You know, it's going to be full of breaches, so it's going to be full of holes. And, and what's what's the danger in that? Well, I think the first danger is, for one, it's sin. And I think, you know, that doesn't need to be overlooked. It's sin against God. And you look throughout all the, uh, you know, I think of some New Testament passages where it talks about, like, humility and unity. I think of kind of like Philippians 2. Um, I think of in John 17 when Christ prays that believers then and in the future will have unity. So when we're acting like that, we're going against Christ's prayer mm-hmm. for us, you know. And then, you know, we should let that sink in when we th- when we think about that. Um, the danger, you know, our witness is gone. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of our the biggest dangers is our witness is gone because you know, for I know for Southern Baptists in general, I know a lot of people on the outside looking in see us as the people who just fight with each other all the time. Yeah, and they don't look at us. Well, I mean, it's certainly portrayed like that in the media right now. Yeah. And especially with the, you know, things that went down at the convention this year. Right now, right. granted, we, uh, I don't think the things that we thought were going to happen happened, but still, the, you know, me can twist it and things sure. like that. But, sure. um, but yeah, that's how we're portrayed, and we have to be careful not to get because they don't see Christ, they see infighting, mm. and that's detrimental to our witness, and it's detrimental to the Great Commission as well. Sure, and the Great Commission is one unified purpose. I think of Ephesians four, right? You know, where we all have you know, you know, one body, but different mm-hmm. gifts, things like that. Right. So we'll talk about this in in, in, roles. in probably a little more detail, Jeremiah. But I mean, when I think about the wall, and if he's talking about repairing the breach, I'm thinking about gaps in the wall, right? Mm-hmm. The, the the purpose of the wall, and we can talk about this in a second. I know Jeff's got some thoughts on this too. But I would think that the purpose of the wall was um, to set apart, but also for protection, 
um, to to sort of unify these people right. right within this community to say everybody within these walls are under this sort of uh, you know they're 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 in not 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 a kingdom necessarily but they're they're, they're, they're a community right they're, I think I use the word boundaries is set a boundary right set a boundary between them and everybody else that's that's, a good, that, that, that's, that's true so. If we extrapolate that analogy to the church, and we're talking about the church here because it's where we, you know, we, it's where the application leads us. What is the what what's the core what's the, uh, the the correlation there between like the wall in 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 this case and this imaginary wall, right? The, the church wall uh, that we're talking about that, that has breaches now. I mean, what is the what would be the purpose of said wall? I mean, we know that the like, do you get what I'm saying? And why is it so? Because look, if it doesn't have a purpose, then it doesn't matter whether there's a hole in it. Yeah, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, we've we've jumped past the gap that I I'm not prepared to answer that. I mean, you're talking about jumping from an actual physical wall to to a, to a spiritual wall, to right? Like. like a figurative wall for the church and what is yeah. that wall how is it breached right. how can we repair it something something akin to that i get what you're saying it's kind of, it, it's but i mean that's if we're going to make application from this to the church then we have to kind of think of it in that, those terms are there breaches yeah there's there's divisions yeah but divisions in what i mean what's the point of what's the point of of uh, you know why is it? I guess maybe the bigger question here is what I'm saying is, why do we need unity in, in the church? What what is it? I mean, clearly Christ unifies us, right? Yeah. But why do we even? Why do we need this unity? Yeah. So, I right. guess Jeff's probably gonna have to answer this where <laughs> where he was going with with his application for the church. Yeah. Uh, I could jump straight to Jesus, right? And I've already kind of alluded to that, like. The breach for me is anytime we lose focus on the cornerstone of the wall or the mm. cornerstone of the building or the the thing that's essential, the foundation, then then there becomes breaches in the wall. If your foundation is not set correctly, if you're not unified on at least that that strong cornerstone, that strong foundation, yeah, then it's going to cause breaches in in, in what that's, you're doing. That's a really good point. So to now, to, to talk about those breaches, I think you've got to kind of leave that analogy uh, to just talk about general unity in the church and uh, that spiritual unity that we've all alluded to and we've all talked about. But um, I'll just throw it to, to you guys. Do you have better, like, practical application for the, for the breach in the wall to the church? Well, I think when you think about walls in churches, and when Jonathan and I were talking about the message prior when we were talking about, he was wanting to know about some music and stuff and kind of finding a direction there. The actual temple then would be um, the presence of God, the centralized worship place and all. And so the walls were actually, so the, so the church is within the walls. And I think what we do is we build a wall around the church and, and try to try to take us out of the you know the general community mm. so so that's one way of looking at it yeah that was probably your best application here is 
we're in the yeah we, we see ourselves as a church with a wall up around the church yes rather than the church being in the community with a wall up around both yes around so, so we yeah. should be yeah so so our boundary and all is this community around us and wherever we live you know that's where the church is and so we've created all i, I call it the synagogue model we're basically rosa sharing synagogue yeah, mm-hmm. and all these other places, synagogue, where you go to, you know, learn God's word, have fellowship, things like that. So, and the 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 danger for Israel is once they built the temple, they put the trust in this building, in this structure, in this um, order of worship, and everything they were doing. Um, and if we do all this right, we're good with God. Mm. Well, no, because. You know, they they built walls around the temple and then they excluded people from actually getting into the temple, which was supposed to be a house of prayer for all people. So even they created these walls and all. And so uh, our, our thing is, if we have walls within the church, we got to try to uh, stand in the gap and build build a bridge and try to help, help each person working together. But in the community... Um, is that so there's breaches and gaps in the community too and so our job as a church then is not just be stuck at this building here that we're calling our church but be out there helping your neighbor that might uh maybe their house burnt down last night well that's a breach right so what can i do to reach out to them and help them mm-hmm. and so um, those are the bigger breaches that that we need to be bring bringing bringing ourselves to and so then when people see the church in action, doing what the church is supposed to do, then they might be interested in saying, "Hey, I want to, I want to, I want to investigate that church a little bit more. Maybe yeah. go go see what they're all about." So, I think I think a really important thing to to, to call from all of that is this: then, when we're talking about um, uh, breaches in the wall of the church or whatever, then what we're really talking about is just a compromise of our unity, right? That's all we're saying. But it's so important for us to have that unity as a body of, of believers um, because there's more important breaches to, to address. Um, that that our, our small preferential things can't cause us to infight so much that we sort of uh, become inward focused, right? Inward focused and forget the bigger the bigger picture, which is we're not here for ourselves. We're here for the world outside of the walls of the church. And so uh, instead of walling ourselves off, and I think what some people would probably do is they would take that analogy and go, Oh, see, we, we, you know, the church has fallen apart because we've, we've, we've let the community in too much. We've let the world in too much. We've not built the wall up strong enough, you know? And so that's the reason why we have all this division, but that's not the point at all here. Um, I think, I think what you just said is exactly right. And we need to keep in mind too, we're not supposed to have a synagogue model anymore. I mean, we're not, we're not, the, the, the coming of Jesus, Blake, um, and the establishment of his church blew up that temple model. I mean, we're, we, you know, it's no longer, it's funny because we still have a y'all come mentality, right? We we're, if you build it, they will come. It's a field of dreams kind of thing here, Jeff. But, but really it's supposed to be more y'all go. Yeah. Right. Y'all go. I yeah. mean, you come here and you fellowship and you get unified. And get you come together and be together as a group of people, worship together and be unified. Get your unified purpose. Get your focus right, and then go out 
and do the work. Because the work isn't in the church, the work is outside the church. Is that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's crazy how, you know, a lot of us still seem to have like a, like Jeff said, like this, like this synagogue kind of model of going to church. Mm-hmm. When, you know, the church in the building, I was actually, you know, I had the privilege of teaching my kids this in children's church in our Sunday night ministry last night. Mm-hmm. It's saying like, hey, you know, this ain't a, you know, this ain't a building. This is a people. And right. a way to get in this people is, you know, you must be saved to get in this people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and even last night we talked that uh, the church is two main priorities was to expand, is to grow, and to encourage one another. Mm. To expand and encourage one another. And I, and I think it's cool how that kids list kind of throws into kind of throws into what we're talking about today. And, yeah, sure. I mean, it's uh, what we do is people work. It's not necessarily building work. I mean, that's a part of it because, I mean, you know, you don't want to run down place of worship either. Right, but, sure. But you also, it's people work, you know. It's mainly about the people, the lost. Like, I like what you said. It's not about a y'all come. It's about, hey, let's, let us go. Yeah. Let and so then go. if you look at your facility then, uh, if we just exist here for ourselves, then basically we're going to have meetings and, We'll have events and we'll have um, programs. We'll have all the stuff that creates, you know, that 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 model. And we will isolate ourselves as much as we can from the rest right. of the world. Or if you say, okay, we have this facility, so yeah, we're going to use it for Bible studies and fellowship and all that. But how can we then also use it for other things like, you know, uh, you know, like a blood drive yeah. or yeah, like. Right. like uh, um, you know the the homeowners association nearby wants to use our facility, or we have a preschool that we're trying to offer a service to people. So that so so it's important that if we're going to have a building, then mm-hmm. to to repair it and restore it and take care of it, like like you said, it's got to be something that people will want to come to. Mm-hmm. And you, you you know we're supposed to be doing this for God's glory, and. Um, yeah. So it's important then to maintain them and repair them and restore them and all that. Right. And so, um, uh, so it's, it's 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 but so much focus for mo- most people gets put on to the building aspect, the maintenance, the lights, the painting, mm-hmm. and they forget about the other aspect. Mm-hmm. You know, the the edification of the building, which is the building up of the. The spiritual life, right, right. and then also trying to expand, extend that spiritual life out into the community. Sure, I mean a building's a building; it has a purpose. Um, but if you lose your focus and you and you turn so inward, then all of a sudden you have this big, huge building that you can't maintain anymore. And so then you're going to say, "Somebody come buy my building," or "Right, I'm going to give this building to a school or to somebody." Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening all over our city. Not just Baptist, but every denomination all over our city, there's there's church buildings that are closing down as mm-hmm. church buildings, and they're going out of business as mm-hmm. a church building. Um, and so they're either becoming, you know, schools or whatever, or other groups that are saying, "Hey, we want to use your facility, but we we want to try to reach people," mm-hmm. and they and then they can take over and start reaching. Right. So that's kind of where we are. I mean, that's. That's where we are, yeah. And we've got to decide um, because it's easy to say um, I can build something and I have some tangible thing there that says, "Hey, I can see that." Mm-hmm. 
But when we build spiritually and repair breaches and all that, you can't necessarily see that. No. But you can see <clears> the effects <throat> of it in people's lives that yeah. have changed. Now, and I, that's the big struggle that we're always going to have uh, over and over and over and over. Yeah, I think part of the struggle is the very thing that you pushed back against a moment ago, which is, um, you know, we can talk about a physical wall. When those are tangibles. We can see those. But... So much of what we do in, in spiritual life, it's not tangible, right? It's intangible. You can't, you can't see it. You can't, you can see the effects of it, but you can't really see it. And so, I think so many people, they get focused on the tangibles, right? Then they miss the in, they, they they miss the importance of the intangibles, which are exactly what you're talking about, Re- repairing whatever breaches are there in the spirit, in, in in the you know spiritually speaking. Um, and, and, and that goes exactly where you said before, Jeremiah, that you can't do that apart from Christ. You just can't. You, you know, if we want to talk about practical ways to repair breaches, um, practical ways to repair gaps, whether it's generational or, or, or whatever, um, the first practical step has to be to refocus on Christ. Um, you know, and, and that's why I like the, the bringing in um, uh, that you, you did, and I think you did in the second point, actually, Jeff, but when you talked about the... Um, the First Corinthians three passage about building on the foundation. Yeah, so that comes, yeah, that. comes into the second. Right, point. but I think it, it applies to this first point as well. Yeah, I mean, was, they're both the same. Right, because you can't themselves. you can't hope to repair anything apart from apart from Christ. If you're not building on that, if that's not your singular focus, then you're not going to repair anything. It's that's you're right, Jeremiah. It's where you know. I was about to say 95%, but 100%, 100% of our breaches come from the fact that we just lose focus on Jesus. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, who cares how strong your wall is if your foundation sucks? Like, right. it's just going to collapse because if your foundation falls underneath the wall, the wall is going to fall with it. Sure. And so it's it's just, yeah, if you if you miss the, the, the cornerstone, if you miss the foundation, uh, and to be honest with you, it sounds like to me that Rather than being the ones who were repairing the wall, it feels like a lot of Christians need to be the ones who are breaching the wall, who are busting down the wall of the church mm. and, and moving out into the community. Because if Blake's right, if the church is a people, then this has nothing to do with buildings at all. Right. It, it must be about the people. Mm. It must be about like how do, how do you breach the walls of the people? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the only answer is through Christ. Right. And... and, and so the church has to be unified on that. And I just think with this whole unity thing, I'm, I'm trying to find an analogy that makes sense. For me, it's, it's a team, like football. Football's on right now. Most people, are, or if, if you're interested in sports, you're watching it. But I just, I just know that any time a team doesn't have that one unified purpose of scoring points, then uh, so for some individuals, they might be on individual stats or... Uh, they're mad at the quarterback, so they don't want to block for the quarterback. There mm-hmm. might be some some other ulterior motives that that aren't unifying to the team, but it's only once the team kind of unifies on that one central thing, that thing of scoring points or whatever in football, uh, is is when they can kind of move together as a unit. And so, anytime the church begins to to not be focused on that one central thing and and the thing that Jesus gave us to do which is the great commission so one purpose single-minded simple-minded focus and we begin like having all these 
quarrels that don't matter on the outside and the receivers running offsides just because he's just not paying attention or whatever because right. he's not focused on the the unified thing then then you just miss I it. I mean it's a good analogy it's it's rare that you find a championship team at the end of the year that is a team of turmoil in the locker room you know it's it's it can happen um that there there have been some instances where you've clearly had some locker room angst, but the team just is so laser focused when they're on the field that they put that stuff behind them, um, which I think is an analogy too, right? I mean, it's like, okay, sure, we've got some issues in the locker room that we need to address, but we also realize that there's a greater goal here. And so we're setting that stuff to the side and then in the locker room, we'll dish it out, you know, but, um, but and so to, the, to, to some degree, I think some churches, uh, need to do that like our convention needs to do that yeah. look there's there's some things that our convention right now doesn't agree on there there there's guys on one side of political fence and guys on the other side of the political fence there's guys who think you should vote for this guy there's guys who think you shouldn't there's guys who think that this particular issue is a key issue and there these people over here are like no that's a that's not even a biblical issue and you've got all kinds of that stuff going on right now in our within our convention and that stuff is not going to go away anytime soon mm-hmm. And so we have lots of turmoil in the locker room, so to speak. But that doesn't prevent us from, as a convention, still achieving the larger goal, which mm. is to, you know, to, to see the kingdom expand, to, to grow the kingdom, to, to glorify God and, and exalt Christ. We can do that even if we're fighting in the locker room with each other. When I, Ed Litton, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, came and spoke at Southeastern's Chapel the other day. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, you know I, I mean, you can't, you can't night, you know. There's some, there's some division, mm-hmm. but a lot of that, you know, we might come together for a couple of days out of the year at the convention, maybe you know, discuss our disagreements. But you know, and then he started to get real passionate. He's like, but you know, then we go out that summer, then we do things like VBS. We reach people for the gospel. We yep. revitalize our churches, and you know, there's an aspect where there's always going to be some division, no matter what. But you got to prevent it. You know, it's we got to. We got to continue to be more and more like Christ, and not let that, not well, let the division drive our motives. Right, and it goes back to what Jeremiah was saying, though. I think we, we we have to we have to remember what the real focus is. What what is our what's our ultimate goal? Right, as a convention, as God's people, what's the ultimate goal? And whatever that is, that's got to trump everything else. Because the moment that you let that turmoil affect what you're doing on the field, to use your use your analogy again, Jeremiah, that's when you have guys say. I'm not blocking for that quarterback. Like I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't care. Like I'm not going to help my my brother, my brother or sister church out because they disagree with me on this. And if it means that that we see fewer people saved, then so be it. Now that's the attitude that's sinful. That's the attitude you got to root out because if yeah. that stuff keeps going on, then you will see an absolute collapse. Yeah. But that's that's when that's when people allow. These, these sort of ter- secondary and tertiary issues to leak out and affect their what they're actually what they're actually their, their their purpose right and I think that's where it really gets to but, but this leads this sort of bleeds into Jeff what I think is the the second point of your message and actually what I think is the strongest point of this at all and we've 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 danced all around this but it's that we need to be a restorer for the community around us mm-hmm. we can't be so focused on the interior that we forget that there's a community of people around us who need Jesus. Mm -hmm. And for them, 
we, we, we represent that in this community. Um, we can't, and no more than Israel could stand by and just focus just on the temple. Can we just focus just on our church or just on a building and, and, and hope to impact this larger community around us? Yeah, and you know, if you go back to when Jesus came, that's what they did. I mean, Jerusalem and the surrounding areas of Jerusalem, the people acted and treated people differently than once you got out into Galilee into some of the rural areas. And I think part of our problem uh, here in Durham, uh, especially like where we're at, is we're in a city that is it's no longer a rural type or small town type city. It's an it's a urban type city. Mm. And, um, you know, I mentioned the, the, the people that moved up into our area because there is a pocket of lostness. And a pocket of lostness is a... a um, uh, they identified in North Carolina areas and cities that there's this highly uh, concentrated number of people that are unchurched. Mm-hmm. And it happens to be just north of us, and it's, it's the old Lebanon township, if you, you can get all the information you want on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so if, if, um, if you went to the Kingdom Celebration, when me and Ronnie talked about uh, when Ronnie came to Dur- Durham and he wanted to start a church and he wanted to start a church in northern durham and it was about the same time all these people were leaving the areas of the city they were in to go move up here mm-hmm. and i was like uh when you know i've got people white flighting me all around me and you're saying you're going to build an african-american church mm-hmm. you sure you're going to put it in our area mm-hmm. because the overwhelming majority of people in the pocket of lostness above us is white people mm-hmm. uh, that make a lot of money and that's just to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So Temple relocated. They left downtown. Boy, if you look at downtown now, boy, it, it sure would have been nice to have a church right there on that corner like where they were at. Church. Because yeah. downtown yeah, is booming and going crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, Liberty left Liberty Street, which is near Holloway Street. Mm-hmm. They came up here because they're the people they call the car people or the people that drive to church mm-hmm. lived up in this area. And they were tired of driving through those communities to get to church. Yeah. And so they still do their buses and all, but those people are, are separated out and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So they relocated up here. Then Emmanuel relocates over here. And then, of course, the summit started re- meeting at uh, uh, Riverside. So of all the people that technically would say, hey, they're they're reaching the community, would probably be the summit if you go by just numbers and right. number of people. They're making a huge impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, uh, there's enough people in our area of lostness that even if, if we re- if we reached one percent of the people, we'd have a church of 194 people. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, in terms of that way. Mm-hmm. But all of our focus tends, tends to be on a, on an older generation, and and that's where the gap is. The gap started happening in the 60s, and as a generation of People said, I'm not going to church anymore. And they started raising their kids outside the church. And sure. then they raised theirs. So there's the gap. There's mm-hmm. this big breach. So you have one generation that controls a lot of the churches around here. Mm-hmm. Because they're the only ones there. And you know, they're saying, we want to reach this generation. and But there's somehow another to do the hard work necessarily to do that. It's too hard. Too much opposition. And I don't know if I can, you know, if I want to do it. Mm-hmm. And and that's part of our problem right now. Yeah. When you, when you just look at the, uh, just to be honest with it. Mm-hmm. And that's when I had that lunch with those three guys, and they're all 
they're all in a worse boat than we are. Mm-hmm. And people look at our church and they think, well, something's wrong. But you look at it and go, well, something's right too. And you got to focus mm-hmm. on the positive things you're doing. Now, do we want to reach more people? Yes. If we were still the only, if we were the only church here, if Temple didn't come up here, and Emmanuel didn't come up here, and Liberty didn't come up here, mm-hmm. but the summit still did what they were going to do at Riverside, we would probably have two or three hundred people every week here, because mm-hmm. that's the way it was when we were pretty much the only right. thing on the corner. Right. And so, as as so so the focus then was. Uh, what I what I think what we we've, we've done as churches then the people that relocated up here and all we're all competing against for the twenty percent mm-hmm. we're all competing for the people that go to church the right. church right so most of the growth is transfer growth from other churches to other churches sure, sure. and now and there's this whole community of lost people there that are just waiting for somebody to say hey you know I I, I want to be your friend and. I want to tell you about Jesus and we need to Christ. And then, and, hey, I got a group of people at this church. Maybe you want to come and hang yeah. out with us and all that. Right. So that's, that's in a nutshell, that's it. That's what we're facing right now. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. And, and, and let's, let's just, let's talk about that last part. I mean, there's a lot that you said there, but let's talk about just that last part. Because I think this is a problem that, that not only we, you know, for, you know, if we happen to have listeners that are outside the Durham area, that are, that are listening or happen to tune in. This isn't something that's just unique to Durham. No, it's everywhere. In this, this is something that we're, we're, we're dealing with everywhere. And the, the, the question is, the, the bigger issue is, okay, there is, this, there is this gap between people who go to church and people who don't go to church, and it does seem to be around generations. And there's, a, there's, there's the next two generations back when you take Gen Z and the millennials, and there's probably fewer church people in that group than there are, say, of the, of the, of like the, the boomers and the silent generation. Yeah, silent generation was like seventy percent. Right. The greatest so, generation was like eighty-five percent. The boomers were fifty percent, and I think your generation maybe was forty. Well, I'm actually I'm between Gen X and Millennial, yeah. but yeah. And then I think the newer generation is is twenty percent. Yeah. The latest generation. So the question then becomes, okay. And, and this is a question for you guys, and you're, you're younger than me, both of you are. Um, but I think, you know, Jeremiah's about a decade older than me, you're two decades older than me, like. And so, I, you know, it starts with my generation and it, it bleeds out to your all's generations too. But the question is, is okay, <clears throat> you know, there's been lots of debate about how do we reach these people who just are not going to church at all, they have no connection to church at all. Mm. Should we continue to look like what church is traditionally be considered as church, right? I mean, like, in some people's minds, they think of church. If you talk to people in the street, people that are your all's ages, they you think of church, you think of dressing to the nuns, wearing your suit and tie, singing hymns. And for some people, there's they enjoy that. They still like that. Even people your all's age do. Um, and then there are those who are like, no, nah, that's not for me. That's, that was something for my grandma. That's, that's, you know, that's, my parents didn't even enjoy that. Why would I enjoy that? And I'm wondering, just from a very practical standpoint, what, if anything, can we do? I mean, like, this is the grand question, right? What, if anything, can we do to show people 
who are not churched in this pocket of lostness or wherever, that they have a deeper need. I'm not talking about just getting them to church. I'm talking about just getting them to the cross. How do you do that? What, what What's the way that you do it? In the past, it worked because these centers of... of um, these churches were centers where people came together. They dressed their best on Sundays. It was a part of their week. It's just what you did. And this carryover from that became a love for God and a love for God's people, right? And and so... In some. In some. Right. I, I agree. Not everybody. And disdain for others. That's true. That, let's just be honest. There's, there's yeah. a lot of truth in that. Yeah. So... The, but, but that's what it was. Yeah. That's what it was, and it's what it was. You know, honestly, guys, I, I mean, I, I came, I became a Christian in the 80s, and that's what church was to me growing up in the 80s all the way through the 90s. It really wasn't until, like, the even, I, honestly, guys, even probably not until I moved to North Carolina that I that I start seeing a, a change in church culture and stuff and, and and such but okay so what do we do like what what um, what, what do you do do you, do you do you continue to just offer offer the same thing for because because Jeff's right the people who are coming are are, are are your older people most mostly people who know church as this as this model. Do you do that in hopes that people will regain a love for that thing and 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 it'll bleed over to the younger generations? Or do you say we've got to revitalize the whole thing? We've got to think totally different. We've got to make it look like something that young people like or that these other generations like. Or do you say none of that? We don't worry about what anybody likes. We're just gonna go out there and present the gospel and just do it like the best we can. I don't, I, don't, I don't know that there's a simple answer to this, but I'm curious as to what you guys, as younger guys, think. What, what do you think are the priorities? What has to be what we do? So, I love the question because it's a good, simple, easy question, but you're right. There is no easy, simple answer. No, if there's an easy answer, we wouldn't um, have this problem. But I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, um, that's what I asked the three guys at dinner was like, uh, how am I going to be able to reach your generation? And they didn't even know how to answer it in their own church context because they're in a process. They're 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 in the same problem. They got the same problem that all the other churches have around here, pretty much. I think a lot of it we have to get back to the basics and something that uh, mine and you know all of our generations need to do, but especially mine and Jeremiah's kind of generation is we have to get back to the basics. You know, be the you know go in and breach those gaps. You know, with where uh, with some of the with some of the older people, there might have been that racial gap. We have to be the ones that go in and breach that, mm -hmm. and um, like things like that. And really, we got to get back to the basics. We got to be Christ. At, we have to have Christ at the center of everything we do, and we got to realize we're not Southern Baptists. We're not Independent, but whatever. We're Great Commission Baptists, mm -hmm. and it's just like. And then, how does that practically live out? I think it's just lifestyle evangelism, and going and. Like the other night, I told uh, this one girl came and like, hey, I want uh, and you, these two people in your life who I, I know is very, very close to you. I want you to bring them next week. And 
she walks in through the door and the first thing she said to me was you told me to bring them here they are and you know focusing in on the little on what we do have and this is one reason i'm actually really encouraged by the spot that we're at today you know jesus started with 12. Mm -hmm. Jesus started with 12. We have much more to work with than 12 people, mm -hmm. which is really encouraging, you know? He right. changed the world with 12 people, and we've got probably 10 times that. Mm -hmm. And just thinking, you know, what our faithfulness could do. But um, when we're back to the base and keeping it simple like that and focusing in on just one or two people and giving, them, uh, giving our people attainable goals mm -hmm. and trying to reach these people and discipling them, I think you could see a great, this, I love how there's a resurgence of the Great Commission around us, mm -hmm. which is good because we need it. And also, I saw a, a youth pastor back at home I used to serve with, um, he posted a picture on, I think it was either Instagram or Facebook, and it said it had an older guy sitting with two or three younger guys in a Starbucks. Yeah, I saw that. And all three, everybody had their Bible open. Mm-hmm. And so what I encourage the older generation to do, instead of complaining about our generation, how we're a bunch of snowflakes who are offended at everything, mm -hmm. if you see a need, go disciple us, you mm -hmm. know? And for the younger people, listen to the wisdom of people who have been in church for a while. Listen mm -hmm. to the wisdom, you know. Go find a mentor. Mm -hmm. Go find a mentor. And then you have that unity. And then a lot of those gaps we've been talking about, I think, bridges itself. Mm -hmm. And... But why? Because Christ is at the center and the Great Commission is the purpose. Sure. So, Jay? Um, I really believe that the core of what millennials want, this has nothing to do with Christianity, but what millennials want, from what I can gather and what I want for myself, honestly, is sincerity. That's right. They want people to be real. And so... What happened is, is at some point, the whole, like, you can't run in church, you got to dress up, we began to challenge things like that. And, and we weren't given... You're talking about your generation. Yeah, yeah. and we weren't, we weren't given great answers as to why I'm supposed to dress up nice at church, because you look in Scripture, you won't find it. Um, and so, personally, for my generation... Uh, it goes back to being simple and focused and being sincere. Mm. Being sincere. Like, my generation can That's sniff out insincerity like this. Like, just, they can just see it. They can sense it if you're not sincere. What? So, if you look good on the outside, mm -hmm. but you're not genuine on the inside, mm -hmm. they're going to sniff that out. So, what's the solution? Well, the solution is the same as it's always been, really. And it's the same thing Jesus did. Jesus sacrificially loved the people. And so for all of us, for, for the younger generation, for the older generation, we must be sacrificially loved. So the question is, what do I need to sacrifice in order to love these people? Mm, that's a good And for the older generation, I think there needs some be, to be some sacrifice in the way of tradition, in the way mm -hmm. of culture. And it's... it's it, the, the weirdest thing to me in, in Christian culture today is that when I walk into a church building, pretty much all of them look the same. And when I do, started doing the research as to why churches look this way, it, it goes all the way back to the Victorian era, which is <laughs> 1900s. I thought it was 1950s. Mm -hmm. I wasn't alive in the 50s or in the 1900s. So I had to figure out what that meant. 
And churches modeled themselves after the Victorian era for who knows what reason. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know why we're so, like... Like, for me, it doesn't really matter what my, my church building looks like. I just want the people in it to be sincere. Uh, and to not, to not, like, flip out when I question, hey, why do we have a steeple? Mm-hmm. Why do we have stained glass windows? Can I not ask that question? Mm-hmm. Can I not challenge these things mm-hmm. and, and challenge them through the scriptures and not be like, hey, uh... Dude, why is there flowers on the front? Why is there a table in the front? Like, can I not question these things and right. try to get back to what are we really about? Like, what what are mm. what is sincere in our faith? Like, why do we why do we need this? Why do we need that? Why can't we just be simple and focused and mm. be a people who who sacrificially love our community and sacrificially love each other? So I, I don't. I, I know that's probably not the most practical answer, but I will say for and I don't Gen X doesn't really quite know what they want, but I know for millennials. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Gen Z. Yeah, Gen Z doesn't they're all like just now going to college. And and I think they're probably pretty close to millennials. Millennials sure we're soft sometimes, but sometimes we just want people to be sincere. Um, and I just remember the one the day I started challenging things like I grew up, man, you couldn't you couldn't have long hair. You couldn't you couldn't have a beard. You couldn't run in church. You you had to dress up. And it's like I've read the scriptures for myself. I that doesn't none of this makes any sense. Like mm. like Jesus would hate going to church. <laughs> I mean, he would. <laughs> That's what I think. Like really. But I I don't I don't know. Well, no, no, I've said too much. No, no, you know, I, I think uh, what, what you've said I've heard echoed before. I've actually, in, in some articles I've read before, um, in terms of just worship music, oh, and the funny thing is, is millenn- most millennials will say, we don't care what we're singing as long as it's just sincere, as long as there's, it's, there's, there's real authenticity, authenticity behind it. And um, I think authenticity goes a long way. But here's, okay, so here's the thing that, right? What does an authentic church look like? <laughs> and that gets, I mean, it gets back to, again, does, well, it, does, it, it, does it look like anything at all, or, or is it more of an attitude? Well, if, if you call yourself a Christian, you've taken the name of the Lord. Mm. So you can't take the name of the Lord in vain. Sure. So if I say I'm a Christian, but I act like I'm not a Christian, mm. then I'm not really a Christian in my actions or my words Mm -hmm. and so what happens then is people that are looking for authentic uh, relationships and friendships and worship and bible study and all all that is if they come and for whatever reason something happens in the church that's Mm -hmm. not authentic then a lot of them then say it's not for me anymore Oh yeah, I'm and it not, could just be somebody overhearing someone in a conversation in the bathroom, or going down the hallway, or um, saying something negative, or something, uh, you know, about someone behind their back, and they're like, "This this church is not practicing what they say they are." Yeah. And so, I think that is the if I have to fight at my work and have to fight in my home and have to fight for everything. And I have to go to church and fight too. That I'd rather not have that fight. Yeah, and I think that's what happened to a lot of people when they checked out in the '60s. They just like I'm not fighting the fight anymore. Yeah, I had a, I had a friend, former student, in fact, who um, completely left the faith, or seems to have completely left the faith, 
And she, she was really strong in the faith, like super strong in the faith. And it was all over the fact that she was in this relationship with a guy who had pretty much done her wrong and she watched every one of her Christian friends side with that guy. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it turned her off to Christianity because she basically looked at those people and said, you're not real, you're fake. And if it's fake, I don't want a part of it. And, and I guess, man, and, and I don't know, this is a conversation for another time, perhaps, Jeremiah, but I, I wonder that, that there's deeper, there's a deeper underpinning to that for your generation, that they grew up just seeing a lot of fakeness in, in life. <clears throat> whether that's in politics or you know wherever but there's just a lot of plastic right it's not real it's all plastic and in here christianity is and and it's like no this is real this is real love this is real compassion this is real sacrifice and you're like oh this is awesome and then you get in there and you're like well no it's no more real than my politicians are mm. and so then it's like why do i want that i don't i don't want that I mean, it's no more. It's it's just as plastic as everything else that I that I that I thought was real, and 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 turns out it isn't. Um, and so I wonder if there's something deeper there with that generation that, that causes that. But I think I think you're right, man. I think a lot of it is. I, I think it has to be attitude, right? And it has to be. Um, you, you know, you said something about sacrificial. Uh, what are you going to do to sacrificially love these people? And I think a great way for us to do, like I said, for us to kind of like mend that gap per se mm-hmm. is you know pointing them to, towards Christ is like look we understand that there is a lot of um, you know and we're sorry if you've experienced fakeness or if, uh, if you've been hurt or things like this but let me point you to somebody who won't hurt you let yeah. me point you to somebody who is perfect and genuine and sacrificial and is worth your time and quite frankly worth devoting your whole life to Yeah, and pointing towards Christ um, is really the only answer, but like, praise God, that's the only answer. Right, you know? and, I, and so, yeah. And I think being, I think being transparent and being honest with 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 that generation Absolutely. goes a long way. Yeah. Uh, as a youth pastor to that generation, um, one of the things that my students came to me and said over and over again is, "I like coming to your, I like coming to youth here because I don't feel like you're fake. I feel like you're real. Mm-hmm. I feel like." When I go to my when I go to my church, I just feel like it's not real that that there's there they stand up there and they're like holier than you are and everything else. But I come around you and you're just like me. You 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 know you admit your mistakes. You you know and 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 I think that kind of honesty <clears throat> something that we're not real comfortable doing. Beyond I mean just being frank about it, that kind of honesty goes a long way with that generation. It really does. I'll attest to that. That's very true. Especially for people. Um, I don't know if... It, are, Jeremiah and me in the same generation. Oh, you're Gen no, Z. you're Gen Z. Yeah, okay. you're, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, at least for Gen Z anyway. That's... I can just speak for a lot of... That goes a long way. It's yeah. just realizing, you know, I'm thinking if I'm unsaved and I hear a Christian empathize and sympathize, mm-hmm. I'm much more open to talking to them than I am somebody who's... Yeah. Holding up a sign, and <clears throat> well, and yelling at my face. Well, and now, and now, that, and that, and that, that's the other problem, right? Now, um, <clears throat> that we've got a bigger issue because, in addition to just our bad attitudes at times, <clears throat> now you've got uh, a, a bad reputation among among the community. Talking, going back to restoring the community, right? Mm-hmm. They don't look at us as 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 uh, potential restorers of community because they look at us as purveyors of hate. 
they look at us at, 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 as, as people who, who, um, who generate and produce destructive attitudes. And so now, whether that's true or not, now we, we're, our community doesn't trust us to help restore things. And unfortunately, we find ourselves on the quote wrong side of a lot of issues, according to them. What yeah. we would say we're on the right side, but we find ourselves on the wrong side of issues that that are uh, are considered very divisive. And so now it's more important than ever that we be genuine and loving and caring if we want to be re- yeah, if we want to be labeled as restorers. And you can disagree with people and still be authentic. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I agree. And Believe that's the whole thing is is that people have forgotten how to uh, converse with people, communicate with people, and respect people, even though you disagree with them, and do it in a loving way. That you want to always keep the door open because. God is bigger than all of us, mm-hmm. and His Holy Spirit can. It, it saved Paul, who was out to destroy the church. Mm-hmm. So He can just, He can save anyone <clears throat> He wants to, and we just don't need to give up on people. Um, but we need to. We need to. Um, we and I think part of the problem of the church too is like we're trying to reach a group of people that most people that go to church have nothing in common with. And they have no uh, no way to interact with them because they're either going to the doctor or the the, the to get the hair done or they're going to uh, you know the grocery stores mm-hmm. um, or and they're hanging around their own group of people and going out to eat with them and stuff like that. So there's no real uh, and then the pandemic way to interact. <laughs> the pandemic made that even worse. It made us even more isolated than what we right. were before. Right now, it's, now it's even harder to talk yeah. to somebody because got a mask on. You know, yeah. it's it's just it. And so, yeah. so, uh, but even before then, there was still this. Uh, you know, you're you live in a neighborhood. A new couple moves in. They got a couple of kids. Mm-hmm. Why can't you just walk over there, introduce yourself, and say, "Hey, I noticed you got some kids. We have a church down the road. We'd like to invite your kids to the yeah. church." So, so a lot of that just 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 doesn't happen at all. Sure, and. I think a lot of it is we bought into the whole thing. Your faith is private. Leave people alone. Don't don't interact with them. Yeah. Just go into your own little cocoon. You know, they know I'm getting in my car and I'm going somewhere on Sunday. You know, if they follow me, they see where I'm going. But if they ride by my church because it's right down below where I live, they they see our church. They see our sign. So if they really want to come to church. Uh, they can just drive in and, and go instead yeah. of saying, "Hey, if if you'd like to go, you can go with me, and I'll sit with you and introduce you to some people." Yeah. So yeah. that's where we've lost. I mean, we we we've lost the community part of being in the community. Yeah, I agree. We created our own cocoons and silos right. within the community. And a big part of that is honestly, we we we've forgotten about grace, and so that's so. And then what a good segue! Thank you. That was on point. That's uh, it's it's we're two minutes over our time limit here, so I gotta I gotta close this up. But we are gonna be talking about grace over the next four weeks. Uh, We're gonna be looking at the different facets of grace, and 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 next week, um, look forward to uh, at least four facets. Right, at least four. There's more more facets than four, but. We're going to look at uh, four facets of grace and um, over the next four weeks. Next week, we'll be talking about the definition of grace, and uh, we'll, we'll be discussing that right here on Monday Main Point. All right, well, this is going to do it for today. Thanks for listening to us. Uh, I hope that this has been enlightening for you. And uh, if it has, then um, let us know, and uh, feel free to share this with your friends. 
uh, it's at least one way to get out there and get the conversation going. So uh, thanks again for all uh, for uh, being a faithful listener. And um, we will talk to you. Or, well, I guess we won't actually talk to you, but uh, we'll look for you to join us on the next one. All right. So for now, that's it. So long.